T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's the weekend. It's all about sports. And it's all on Sal's mind. It's Sports Talk Saturday with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. I just realized something. I did not know this. This must be new. Did you know that there's music playing in our lobby? Yeah, it's like, like a music. instrumental yeah, of basically that, that every is, cool music ever made. Isn't that like totally new though? Like no, yeah, they have not had that. I happening swear normally. to God, come on. For as long as I've been here, and that's no. two years. Swear to God, maybe so. I'm just noticing it because so, like they know. play like really cool like classical instrumentals of like all the coolest music. Like I've heard like new music played in a classical instrumental form. It's it's pretty cool. So give me an example. Oh, what was the one? Okay, like Bruno so, Mars, be, like, like even like even like hard metal that's played really? in like, like a Metallica yes. song played in the form of Beethoven or exactly. Ex- that's exactly. It's a it's a perfect explanation of it. Wow, maybe that's what I heard, and that's why it's different. Maybe then, I didn't really notice that it was kind of Christmas time as well. I, I'm sure you well, probably Christmas, noticed at Christmas time. Yes, because well, that's what I was going to say. Only Christmas time is when I truly notice because they always have it, and then we have the Christmas party and right. all that. But I just kind of I walked nope. out there. I I went to the bathroom, and I'm like, hey, there's some good music out here, <laughs> right? I mean, who knows? 803-0550, Sal Capaccio here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Really appreciate you being along with me here this afternoon as we kind of uh, have a group therapy session about what's going on with the Buffalo Bills, if you will, and I'm getting your thoughts. So you can vent to me, give me your thoughts, tell me what you think. I'll reset what I know, what I told you last hour is the Bills and Rex Ryan, the ownership group, and I should say the owners, Terry and Kim Pagula and Rex Ryan, they meet all the time after games. Uh, This week, after the game Thursday night, they met Friday morning, and Rex Ryan is the one that said, I want to make this move. There was a lengthy discussion, I can tell you that. It is never easy to let someone go, especially when you're paying them a lot of money and know you have to pay that salary if they go. Not the saying that they, financials are, you know, a huge reason with this ownership because you know they obviously have the wherewithal to withstand it but that is a part of the issue but really firing people is never easy these are people with families and the continuity of the organization and two weeks into the year what's this going to make us look like all of those things have to be considered but after a lengthy discussion they were dis- they were considered and terry and kim pagula gave rex ryan the go-ahead to support his decision because they feel that He is their head coach, and what you do with a head coach is you give him the latitude to be the head coach and make the decisions that he feels are necessary to move the team in the right direction. It's like this in any business, though. I'll go back to when I was a teacher, a high school teacher. If any, No matter what you do, anybody can put themselves and relate to this, and you should, in anything. You hire good people, or at least what you think are good people, right? That's why you hire them. 
and then you let them do their job and support the heck out of them until you can't justify it anymore. They're supporting the heck out of them. That's what they're doing. Now, I can guarantee you there are a lot of people listening right now who say, well, they shouldn't be because he's no good. He's not a good coach. He's not the right guy. I know that. I know that a lot of you think that. And that's fair for you to think. But in any business, in any walk of life, you hire people you believe in and trust in, and then you give them the tools and the resources to do their job, and then you tell them they get to do their job, and you support the heck out of them. And that's what happened here. It might not be what you want to happen or how you want it to go down because he's still here and the wrong guy is gone or whatever, but that's the philosophy of almost any good business owner, and that's how they're treating this. Rex Ryan wanted to do it. The Pagoulas signed off on it. They had a lot of discussions, and they said, okay, go ahead, and that's how it happened. Let's go to John in Akron. Hi, John. You're on WGR. Hey, Sal. How you doing? Good. Thank you. Good. I really enjoy your work. So, thank you. Um, appreciate appreciate you very much. Um, you know, the, the thing I'm thinking about is I, I think the, a big piece of the puzzle, I know it's been talked about, but uh, I think the offense is really missing Carlos Williams this year or that type of back. If you think back to last year, um, I think even Shady McCoy became a better runner because he had Carlos as a one-two punch. And um, I, I really think the offense misses him. Yeah, there are there not there aren't many runners like Carlos though. I and I, I guess I would ask you, John, do you think they made a mistake then in releasing him, giving given all the issues and troubles? Yeah, I, I don't think they necessarily did. I, I'm not challenging that. I, I do wonder, though, with a rookie like that, how, how does upper management allow him to run amok? Not that they can control his life, but the fact that he lost, he gained all that weight, excuse me, and, um, and headed down a different path. I, I just wonder sometimes, you know, could the team do a better job keeping track of their rookie players? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's hard. You know, there's a lot of different, uh, rules about, you know, contact and what you can do and things like that throughout the offseason, um, with coaches. But, uh, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think I'll go this route though, that, you know, Carlos Williams, I think has a lot of growing up to do. He has a lot of maturing to do. And I also agree that they miss a player like him, but I don't think I'm to, I don't think I can get myself to a point where I can challenge the decision they made to release him based upon all of the evidence that was really adding up against him and the trust factor that they had with him, or the lack of trust, I would say. And and there was probably more that we don't know, you know, that yes. they had a, a privy to. So. That, that's correct. I just know that there was a lot of trust factors going on, not only between coach to player, but player to player, and that's never a good situation in the locker room. Well, I hope they can find another player like that. I, I, I understand. I agree with you. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate it. It's good thoughts. But he also wouldn't be here for four weeks. Let's remember that. I mean, even if they had Carlos Williams on the roster, if he had done everything he's supposed to do, he still would not be playing, and they'd be in the exact same predicament they are now because he could not play. Let's also remember that. Jerry and Kenmore. Hi, Jerry. You're on WGR. Hey, Sal. You, you know my opinion on this. And, and honestly, I don't know why with the media and with, uh, with players, especially I know you guys had Bart Scott on the other day, and he laughed when somebody asked him the question, is the game past Rex? You, you know, he's 32 and 46 since those first two years with the Jets, a team he inherited personnel-wise. So 
in the last five years right now, he's 14 games under 500. I don't know how he has so much credibility. I don't get it. Well, I think you answered your own question by talking about Bart Scott and players. He has credibility because players in this league like playing for him because he's the style of coach they like, and he's fire and brimstone, and his heart and his passion is worn on his sleeve and is shines through when he talks to people. Rex owns interviews. That's what he does. He owns interviews, and I think that's what happened, right, Jerry? I'm going to tell you, Sal, I think that's a flaw on this team. I need him to be their coach, not their friend. I understand that. I understand, but I no, no, there there are there are lots of coaches who succeeded being either a player's coach or a hardline coach, and there are lots of coaches who have failed being a player's coach or a hardline coach. The bottom line for any coach to succeed is simply knowing how to coach football, how to manage people, how to manage uh, personalities, and I could go through, you know, Bill Belichick obviously is a hardline coach. He is very successful. You know who else is? Chip Kelly. He has not been so far in this league. I'm sorry, Rex Ryan was successful when he came in with the New York Jets, partly because of the way that he treated players and how they loved him. Since then, he hasn't. I just don't know if I could say one style is better than another and because this coach treats players the way they like to be treated, that that's bad. I think a lot of people like that, and a lot of coaches have been successful that way. And I could care, I could care less the way he treats players if he was 14 games above 500. Of course, of course. To me the other day how good a coach he is, and I said, you know, he has an NFL losing record. Just because you tell someone you're a good coach, I'm a good coach, doesn't mean you're. I'm. I'm of the opinion you, you have to tell somebody you're something. You're probably not. I don't think Sal runs around. You know, Porter. You know? Well, I'm sorry. Say you don't think I run around doing what? You cut out. Yeah, I don't think you run around telling people. You know, I'm a good. <laughs> I think I do. Maybe I do. I don't know. I just did this morning. I just did this morning to tell you I knew what happened uh, during you know the meeting and everything. So, but you're right. No, I get your point. I get your point. You just go about your job and you do it. And I think that's you know what people want to see. And look, we know this, Jerry. We know that Rex Ryan and his brother and whoever are a very easy target because of that. That is the reason why they paint a bullseye on their chest. And when things go south, it's easy to point to all of the other things that surround them, other than coaching football right and you know what i think why they're a player's coach is because he has that standard post game that says i love the way we battled this loss is on me you know it's uh you know he takes he takes blame for everything and whether he really means it or not is another issue it's it's just part of what he does it's the politician maybe in him well i'll say this jerry let me just explain this one of the things that i do respect about rex ryan and anybody in this business and is that he is extremely loyal to he does not throw people under the bus. He's extremely loyal to his players and to his coaches, which is, by the way, why I'm very surprised he made this move so early. But it is a reason I I do respect him because that that is something that is really treasured in that industry is being loyal because there are a lot of people who are not who you know are trying for their own agenda, if you will. And and I think that to your point and your question, what you're stating, I think that is why he is loved by many players and assistant coaches because he truly is loyal and does not throw people under the bus. Right, right. But, I, but there are some negatives there, but I'm not going to get into that. No, you can be loyal to a fault. I understand that. You can be loyal to a fault. Sure. Hey, Jerry, i got to run, buddy. buddy. Thanks. I appreciate the call. Hey, listen, so we're going to play this soundbite for you. Someone said, um, you know, earlier they said, should we expect, you know, Rex to, it, it wasn't, Rex Ryan's a ground and pound guy, right? Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, he says, that stigma's followed me 
which is true, but he said it. He said he's ground and pound when he got here. But I think he wants to throw the ball more. I just do. This is the soundbite from the press conference. I think part of the disconnect here between him and Greg Roman when this went down, I think he wanted Greg Roman to actually open the offense up more, which is kind of weird for me to think about because you would think the roles are reversed. You'd think Greg Roman might be the guy who'd want to open it up more, but Rex wants to be the guy who wants to ground and pound and run. But I don't think that's the case. I think we're dealing with opposites of what our perceptions are here, and here's why. Well, that's hard to say right now, but it's, you know, I think we have a, an outstanding talent at quarterback position. I think Tyrod has some you know, some great abilities. I think he's unique with some of the things that he can do. I think we need to take advantage of it. That's what we plan on doing. I mentioned Sammy Watkins. I think he's an elite receiver. I think we have an elite running back. I know we do. And Shady McCoy. And I think we have an outstanding offensive line. And, oh, by the way, an outstanding tight end. So uh, we have a lot of weapons. Okay, that, and he also said something about playmakers, getting the ball into their hands. Can you give me that one as well, Nate? We'll, give well that I want one. to be multiple. I want to be able to throw the football. It's not just a ground and pound. Ground and pound was something that followed me forever. Based on my first year when I made that, hey, we're going to ground and pound, we had a rookie quarterback, some good backs, a good offensive line. We weren't exactly greatest receiving core, so I just thought it made sense. But that tag has followed me forever. I do want to be able to run the football on a consistent basis. I want to be multiple in the running game, but I also want to be able to use the entire the quick game, the intermediate game, and the deep passing game. Well, there you go. He mentioned Tyrod. He mentioned Sammy. I mean, he mentioned the O-line too, but he's specifically talking about getting the ball to playmakers, and we have a quarterback who's unique, and we have to use his talents. I'm telling you, I think that he wants to open it more. And I think that'd be a welcome change, right? We'd all love to see that against Arizona on Sunday, but that's where I fall. And that's weird for me to hear because I would think the perception is Greg Roman would be that guy, whereas maybe he, Rex, you would think wanted to be the other guy, the ground and pound guy. But it sounds like he wants to go away from that, which is what his stated goal was, oh, by the way, a year ago. Let's go to Greg in North Carolina. I'm sorry, in New York City. Hi, Greg. You're on WGR. Hey, Sal. How are you? How you doing? Uh, good. Thank you. Uh I just want to get your opinion and, and see what you thought about this. With the fourth and one, the fourth quarter with like seven seven minutes left. Um, I know I know all the media is always pushing them all. You got to go for it. The win probability and you know all the pressure probably has on them with that and, and everything else. Fourth and one, you got seven minutes left. You're on the forty five yard line of the Jets. I don't agree with going for it there. What do you think? Weren't they down two scores? No, at that point, at that point, I'm looking at the playbook. Let me just bring this up, just so I don't uh, make sure I get it right. I want to know fourth down with. Let's see here. Let's see where we are here. How much? Seven minutes left. You said. Yeah, yeah it was fourth, fourth and one. You got uh, seven. I see it. I see it. There was uh, yet yeah, right here. Uh, seven minutes left. Fourth and one at the Jets' forty-five yard line, and it's thirty to twenty-four. Well, so, I, I look. I, I, so, I don't know. I. I, I'm fine with going. You're on the other team's side of the field. You should be able to get one run when you're the best running team in the National Football League the year before. I, I, I and I agree with you. I, I you know I agree with you that we do have the best run. We did have the best running you know team, but that's a stout defensive line. You know I, I'm from the Oak City days. I watched the Jets when I whenever, whenever the Bills. I don't have the chance to. And that defensive line is tough. But in my my way I look at it is you punt the ball. We have a good punter. Maybe get to that 15, even the 20. Now they're backed up in their own in their by their own, their own end zone. I don't think they're going to be as you know looking to be aggressive as, as throwing the ball. And and the run D was playing pretty solid. You know, so maybe you get a stop. Maybe you get a fumble. But you have to look at it this way too, Greg. They could not stop them all night. They could not stop them. In fact, and I was I was actually up there. I flew for the game. I saw it firsthand. It was unbelievable. They just threw the ball up, and every receiver came down with it. it. Didn't matter who it was. 
I know. So, and they couldn't stop him all night. I think that plays into it. I, I don't know. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I would have gone for it. I think it was the right call. I have no problem with that. I, I have a hard time quibbling with fourth and one play calls uh, in that game. What I do have a problem with is how they went about their third and one and fourth and one by bringing EJ Manuel in and basically treating every third and fourth and one like it's the reinvention of football. Holy cow. I mean, what was that? I still have yet to hear a good explanation, and I won't now because Greg Roman's no longer around, but I still have yet to hear a good explanation for this question. You ready? Here's the question I want someone to explain to me a good explanation for this that I can say, okay, I might not agree, but at least I understand. Here's the question. What is the benefit of putting EJ Manuel on the field on third or fourth and one that you're getting when you otherwise would not have if he wasn't on the field? Can anyone answer that question with a logical explanation to me? What is the benefit of putting EJ Manuel on the field on a third or fourth and one that you're gaining something of an advantage when you otherwise would not gain by not having him on the field? It's a simple question. I can't find an answer for that because the answer is there is no benefit. You're taking someone who has yet to take a snap in the game Did he go in there for the concussion thing by then? He might have. He's yet to take a snap under center, I'll tell you that, in the game. So he's cold, which means he might fumble. Which, oh, by the way, he did. Do you know, I'm I'm not kidding you, this is true. I'm standing on the sidelines, doing my job. When it gets to third and one or fourth and one, and I see EJ run in, now, a lot of you have your own thoughts of the first thing you're thinking of when that happens. Oh, here comes EJ, whatever. I'm not kidding you. My first thought when that happens all the time is, holy cow, don't fumble. Holy cow, don't fumble. From the time that I was a little kid playing football to the time that I was an adult coaching kids in high school football, one of the basic things that you see that you have to make sure you rep and know and get right is simply the snap of the ball from a center to a quarterback. And when you have a brand new quarterback or a brand new center come in cold in the heat of a moment of a game, there's always the chance of that thing going south and being put on the ground. Always. So that's my first thought is, holy cow, don't fumble. My second thought is, now you got two quarterbacks on the field. No one's going to go cover Tyrod Taylor and take him seriously. The Bills aren't going to throw to him and get him hurt. No one's going to th- cover EJ Manuel if he goes out there. You're taking an offensive weapon off the field. Who comes off? Was it Sammy? Was it Robert Woods? Was it LaShawn McCoy? That's an offensive weapon that you have as a threat on third and one or fourth and one. That you're taking off the field to have two quarterbacks on the field. And then finally, my last point on that is... You're also substituting people, having them go in and out, calling a play, and taking way too much time and getting out of your rhythm, which is why you got there in the first place, to give yourself a chance for this fourth down or third down. I still do not know the answer to the question I just asked, and no one's been able to explain it, because there is no actual logical explanation other than this. I'm overthinking it. That's the answer. You're overthinking it. You're trying too much. Just run a play. Marv in Lackawanna. Hi, Marv. You're on WGR. Hey, Seth. How you doing? Good. I, thank you. A couple points here. The first one, I'll piggybacking off a guy who called about, complained about Rex Ryan's record. And I, 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 you would know this more than I do. What quarterbacks has he had? Has he, has he had the opportunity to coach as a head coach? 
going back to the Jets. You had Mark Sanchez, and then what do you have after that? I agree with you. I think that is a big part of it. He also has not had good offensive coordinators until what I thought was Greg Roman. Right, and you don't this league. Look across the league, even with Bill Belichick, he had Tom Brady. I'm not saying Bill's not a, an excellent coach, but everybody that you look at that's got big time records has big time quarterbacks. I'm not saying Tyrod's not a good quarterback. I'll give you great examples. You hit one on the head. Bill Belichick, he had no one in Cleveland. He got fired. He had Drew Bledsoe. They were bad. He gets Tom Brady. He wins championships. How about Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll had nobody in the NFL. He got fired from jobs. He goes to Seattle. He starts with nobody. They're horrible. He gets Russell Wilson. He wins championships. Absolutely right. And I, you know what? Rex is no dummy. He comes from a big-time coaching family. He knows the X's and O's. He's smart. He just needs a quarterback especially in this league today all right yeah i think i appreciate it look today is not the day where i'm going to sit here and defend rex ryan but i think you bring up valid points you do need quarterbacks in this league to win and i don't care what coach you are how dumb or how smart you are or how good or how bad you are or how respected or not respected you are if you don't have a quarterback you don't win in this league as a head coach sean in buffalo hi sean you're on wgr how uh i try to refrain from calling man like uh but you get the head. I mean, I, you took me off my what I was going to talk about, but the hitching of the hitching of the wagon to EJ is like you got to sever ties. Like he had no business being in the game on them all critical plays of the game, and I think Whaley, since he was his pick, and you know he wants it to work. But it really wasn't his pick though. It was Buddy Nix's pick. Buddy Nix's pick, but he was in that regime. Until you cut ties with something like that, you have to. Uh, you're going to keep following, finding yourself bumping your head. And also another thing I like to bring up is, like, with, with Marone. Our biggest problem with Marone is with, with Hackett. Roman was not – this is a propaganda, like Mike and Schultz said the other day. Uh, with Hackett, we wanted Hackett to go. Marone kept him. Now we have a situation where you let Roman go because he's not your guy. You bring your guy in. I mean, I hope the season goes good, but I think it's another propaganda just to keep the fans watching and us – from not, you know, yelling at why you got these guys around. That, that is my opinion. Do you do you agree with it? Do you agree with Greg Roman being fired, Sean? Yeah, because uh, at the end of the day, his his offense he was running was something a product of Jim Harbaugh did at uh, Stanford. Uh, he brought it to the NFL. He got Kaepernick in there. You know, it was a wildcat type of situation where the league called up to it, and I don't think he felt that he had to tweak it to where the league is at right now. The league is based on shortcuts screens and basically uh the middle of the field and his office didn't have none of that like robert woods is a guy that i think should be utilized and have not been seen yet in the first two games so until until you figure that out you're never going to be successful in the nfl i mean i don't, I don't want to say be a copy, copycat lead but you have to go with the trend that's going on right now and the trend that's going on it's not in our offense so I hope the the link guy comes in there because we have gurus. Like I keep hearing all this Sandre Lau guy is a wide receiver guru. David Lee is a quarterback guru, and we got guys like uh, Aaron Curran on our team. Like I don't see where the dysfunction is at, but maybe like I said, it's a propaganda. I heard guys outside of our organization this summer say the Bills are going to be bad. I'm like, where are you getting from? I'm seeing different, but like maybe we're close to the situation is a propaganda to us, and I feel like. Hopefully it could change, but well, let's hope that wasn't the reason. Appreciate your your phone call and thoughts, Sean. I agree they have some good assistance on this team. Sanjay Lau is very respected. Aaron Cromer, I think, did a great job with the offensive line when he came back last year. There was a big difference when he was suspended versus when he came back last year. Let's remember that that he missed eight games, and then he came back and they were a lot better running the ball. They had 
guys go to the Pro Bowl because of the second half of the year last year, essentially. All right, we'll take a timeout. Three dogs Saturday on the way. Are you ready for my first picks of the year, baby? All right, I'm going to give you three NFL dogs when we come back here on WGR. All right, so I will uh, do three dogs Saturday here in a minute. Let's go out to the phone lines first. John in Rochester. John, you're on WGR. Hey, Sal. Yeah, I'll tell you that third and one and fourth and one, fourth quarter, uh, what a debacle that was. In fact, it it reminded me, remember uh, in London last year against Jacksonville? Similar situation. Uh, I think we had third and short, third and one, and uh, they they put uh, EJ in and – or put – uh, they tried a trick play, I should say, and uh, it, it blew up in our faces. On I don't remember. All I know is third and ones and fourth and ones have not been, it doesn't seem, kind to the Bills in the last couple of years. Uh, but I just thought Thursday night was ridiculous watching that. Yeah, the only exception was that Jets game last year in December, which uh, 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 EJ drew him off size. But, you know, I'm a little shocked of getting rid of Greg Roman. I know, I'm a little, and I'm a little hesitant about Anthony Lynn, he just seems to be one of Rex's guys, and uh, Rex is uh, he needs a little more independence, I think, the offensive coordinator. But but having said that, our running game isn't working, and I think you got to uh, do the pass to set up the run. What do you think? Well, of course. I mean, that's the way the game is played now, and I think that it sounds like Rex Ryan wants to go in that direction. Sounds like it. We'll see. All right, so for the last few years, I've been doing Three Dogs Saturday here on WGR. A thanks to the late, great Chris Thomas down in Tampa, Florida, who had a segment called Three Dog Thursday for many years. That's where I admittedly got this from and stole it, if you will. I'm on Saturdays, but uh, he had a contest, but he was one of the great radio personalities. I'm sure many people out there may have uh, heard him, uh, really loved listening to him. I lived in Florida for many years, and uh, part of the reason why I did this was because Chris Thomas was a great influence on me down there and listening, and I wanted to bring something like that, but also because I like playing a little bit. I like uh, getting into the gambling, the, the lines and the spreads, and I know a lot of you out there like to know for entertainment purposes only as well, and you like to play. So, Here it is today, our first installment after three successful seasons of Three Dogs Saturday on WGR. All right, here we go. The first game I'm going to take. The Chiefs are getting two points at the Houston Texans. I know know the Texans look pretty good. Brock Osweiler, he looked pretty good in his debut as a Houston Texans quarterback. In fact, he threw for 11 and a half yards average through the air. Air yards, basically. 11 and a half. Led the league. They're relying maybe on the big play. They also have maybe the best player on defense in the NFL in J.J. Watt. And I say maybe only because he's a little banged up. Otherwise, he is. We'll see. I think he was a little limited in practice this week. But this is really more about the Chiefs. This is more about what they can do in this type of situation. In fact... Let me give you an incredible stat here, all right? During the Chiefs' last 27 road games, 27 road games, the last 27 for the Chiefs, they've lost only eight times against the spread. Andy Reid knows how to coach in the regular season. Andy Reid knows how to coach in the regular season. The Chiefs are going to Houston. They're getting two points. Sight of where they completely dismantled them last year in the playoffs, 30 to nothing. They've won their last three contests against them. Andy Reid owns the Houston Texans. He covers this two points. Kansas City plus two at Houston. The next game I'm going to take. Did you watch what Jameis Winston did this week? Oh my God, this guy is going to be a really good quarterback. 
And you know what? I like the Arizona Cardinals. They're a nice team. They have a very good defense, but they're given seven points to Jameis, who was 72% completion percentage, four touchdowns last week. And this is a Arizona defense who gave up to, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo, who I don't care what anybody says, he's not anything like a franchise quarterback you see in this league right now with guys like Roethlisberger and Brady and Rodgers and Brees. He's not going to be that next guy. He might be pretty good. He's not even going to be Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston for Tampa goes to Arizona where last week Arizona gave up way too much to Jimmy Garoppolo. What were Garoppolo's stats last week? 72% completion percentage for the New England Patriots. Jameis is better than that and he's going to keep this game closer than the seven points you're going to get if you take Tampa. They might not win this game because Arizona has a lot of firepower but they're going to score points and Jameis Winston is the reason why and they're going to keep it within a touchdown. Tampa plus seven at Arizona. Finally, I know how good Oakland looked last week. Boy, that offense looks great. Boy, their defense has some playmakers, but they still have problems on the back end. Khalil Mack is great, but, you know, Drew Brees really lit them up last week, and they're playing a pretty good offense this week in the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta's going on the road. They're getting five points at Oakland, probably a high-scoring game because Matt Ryan looks pretty good. He's got his weapons. I think this is an Atlanta offense that's going to have to carry them this year, so they're going to have to score points. And on the other end, Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders, they can score points as well. They can also give up points. We saw last week however Oakland give you a stat here their last 28 games as a favorite against the spread 7 and 21 7 and 21 their last 28 games as a favorite against the spread Atlanta's getting five points going to Oakland take Atlanta here's your recap for three dog Saturday take the Kansas City Chiefs plus two at Houston Andy Reid owns the Texans Take Tampa plus seven at Arizona. Jameis Winston can throw and score points on that Arizona defense and keep them within a touchdown. And take Atlanta plus the five at Oakland because Matt Ryan, he can score points against Oakland, who is seven and 21 against the spread as a favorite in their last 28 games. There you go. I'll keep track for you. If I, hey, if I go 0 and 3, I'll let you know. I won't happen, though. We're going to be at least 2 and 1 this week. Hopefully 3-0. I don't have a name for who's on line two. Can you give me a name for who's on line two? You might have that. It is Philip. All right, let's go to Philip. It's not Philip Rivers, is it? Hi, Philip. You're on WGR. No, sir. How you doing? Good, buddy. Thanks. Fan. And uh, I just wanted to uh, follow up on what you were saying about when uh, they bring EJ in. And, you know, while we was at the game, it's, I, I wear a ball here, and I'm pulling here because it's like, why do they do this? Because if one get knocked out, who else going to be the backup? And who's the next quarterback? So I can never understand when Roman does that, bring that play into – and it, I mean, the wheel's already been developed. So what is you doing new? Is one three and one, get the ball to the back and let and bring Felton in. I mean, they brought him back to Buffalo. So I just don't understand his calling. So I'm not surprised. It's, you know, something had to be done. Because um, it seemed like with all the uh, weapons we have, they're not utilizing them like they should. And I feel like what you're saying with the coach, he want to uh, air it out more. Because otherwise, why bring all these guys in if you're not going to air it out? And that was my little few cents. All right, no problem. Well, they do air it out. They got one down the field of Marquise Goodwin, of course. The Greg Salas play, the busted play. The Bills had two big plays that they scored upon, or they scored on uh, in that game. 
All right, we're going to take a timeout here, our final timeout, before we uh, head to the top of the hour where we're done today because we got some baseball coming up for you at 1 o'clock. So we're going to do that right now. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up. More of your phone calls, though. I still got time. 803-0550-888-552-550 on Sports Talk Saturday. Hey, what's going on, Nate? You're here tonight, too. I haven't really had you uh, say much. I just wanted to hog the microphone today. That's okay. You're uh, you're a man of the people. No, you... you uh, you had a good post game show the other night. Thank I listened. You. I listened on my drive home, and I, I felt the frustration for a lot of fans and yourself as well. So, uh, really nice job there, Sean in Buffalo. Hi, Sean. You're on WGR. Hi. Um, I like the fact. I, mean, I want to say that everybody is focusing on the offense and them getting rid of Greg Roman. I agree with it, but I don't want to say anything about that. What I don't understand is why they won't go after Greg Hardy and get somebody to up in that pass rush. You got Jay Hughes, I give you that. You got Kyle Williams, I give you that. But beyond that front seven, I understand we miss Marcel Darius. But we need a pass rush. You let Fitzpatrick throw for 400 yards? It's- well, here, here's the thing, Sean. If you listen to Rex, he said that they intentionally backed off on the pass rush because they tried to cover because they, of, of what was happening in the secondary. I don't think the pass rush has been an issue. They had four sacks in game one. They actually caused two fumbles because of the pass rush in game two, but they backed off. That's what he said. So I don't think that's really the main issue. I don't think Greg Hardy, Hardy solves problems here. I think he do it. I think about adding him with Marcel Darius. I give you Adolphus Washington surprise being able to step up. I don't have faith in Jarrell Worthy, but I don't see why they wouldn't add to the pass rush. He's available. Why not go after him? I don't have 100% faith in that defense, and I don't see where you see the pass rush is okay. Most of them fumbles came because of Fitzpatrick messing up. Because they knocked it out of his hand because they got to him. One of them they knocked out of his right. hand. The other one he ended up dropping. Another. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But I, he did say they backed off on the pass rush, though. You're saying where was it? I, it was intentionally not pinning the ears back, just so you know. He he backed off the pass rush because it wasn't getting there. That's the reason why he backed okay. off of it. If it was able to, to get there, I don't think you stopped something that's working. It wasn't working until he changed it. If you go- Do you think? Let me ask you a question, Sean. Do you think the problem with letting Ryan Fitzpatrick throw for 374 yards was more due to the pass rush or bad cornerback play? I think it was more due to the offense because the offense couldn't sustain a drive, actually. That's why I think... No, no, no. Why do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 374 yards? More because of the pass rush, lack of pass rush, or more because of bad cornerback play? I would say lack of pass rush. Okay. I disagree with you. I think it was bad cornerback play. The ball was in the air, and they failed to make plays time and time again. I'll give you that, but I don't see how you don't say the pass rush. If the pass rush was getting there, the pass rush would have made it to where the quarterbacks can go ahead, or the cornerbacks can go ahead and cut the, the, the long passes off. I, well, Sean, I'll give you one play. Ryan Fitzpatrick was ready to get drilled, and he just threw the ball up for grabs, and it was caught. I mean, size advantage and, and bad technique. That, okay, well, I got you. I got you. I, I just will agree to disagree, Sean. Thanks for the call. I, I don't think the pass rush is the problem on this team. And by the way, they're not going to go back to sacking the quarterback like they did at a rate of two years ago. That is not what this defense is about. It never has been. I don't think that that is the answer. I don't think bringing Greg Hardy in here is the answer on defense. You have to play better in your cornerback spot. There is a guy I would look into bringing here, though. There is a guy. And kind of like that. It's not Greg Hardy. I would make a call for Josh Gordon. If you want to start throwing the ball, you want to make plays, call call Cleveland. They're selling parts. They're tanking. It doesn't matter. Get Josh Gordon here. Honestly, I would do it. Go do it. Be bold. Bob in North Tonawanda. What's up, Bob? Hi, Sal. I didn't get to listen to the whole show, but maybe you covered some of this. But some offensive questions I have for you. Um, to me, it seems like they're very slow getting the plays in or were. Does it seem that way to you? Yes. It also seems like because that's the case, 
they never audible. Is Tyrod not given the ability to do that? Or is it- I, I, as far as I know, he has the ability, but I agree with you that it's affecting his ability because he's getting out of the huddle so late that he can't survey what he's seeing. Right. It's like they're rushing up to the yes, yes. all the time. Yes. I agree. It's something I brought up after the Ravens game. I thought it was a huge problem. Yeah. They, 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 the defense will be stacked against the run, and they'll run a running play right into the teeth of the defense where you've got to think either he's not seeing it or he doesn't have the time to change and get out of that play. But it just seems like they ran a lot of yep. plays the first two weeks where the defense was set for that play and they ran the play. I, I totally agree. I think it goes to the heart of what's been the problem at the offense. Plays are getting in late. Substitutions are kind of disjointed. They're getting out of the huddle with 10 seconds left instead of 15, even six or seven seconds left. They have to get to the line. He has no time to survey what he's seeing, and therefore he can't make adjustments. And then the defense is already ready, and the defense is playing faster than the offense from the start of the snap. Right. I, I agree with you 100%. Hey, Bob, I got to run, buddy, okay? I don't have, I got limited time here. I appreciate the call. I'm not trying to cut you off, but I want to get to Anthony and Niagara Falls, who just called in as well. Hi, Anthony, go ahead. I was just listening to the previous caller uh, before last, and he's talking about pass rush being an issue, and I can't disagree with him more. I mean, I agree. I, I, I agree with you. I know. I think I don't think that's been the problem at all here. No, I mean Fitzpatrick was getting rid of the ball very quickly. Same thing he did in Buffalo with Chan Gailey. That was that was their thing. The, the offensive line when he was here was poor at best, and they needed to get rid of the ball quickly. And that's why Tom Brady's so successful. In in in, in uh, New England because he they just get rid of the ball quickly. That's that's the strategy in today's NFL. I mean, you can have a pass rush, you can have great pass rushers, but if they're getting rid of the ball in under two seconds or two seconds, I mean, come on. No, I agree. And and again, I'll go back to he threw jump balls. The corners didn't make plays. You got to make plays on those balls. I'm sorry. I know Brandon Marshall's a freak. He's great. He's huge. I know Eric Decker is a big wide receiver. But you got to make the play if you want to be. If you're expected to be the top paid or one of the top paid corners in the league, you can't have the day, the night that Stephon Gilmore had. Yeah, those guys were running open, and you guys covered it the other day with Tyrod holding onto the ball for like something absurd, like six or seven seconds. I think is what you guys were saying. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't my stat. Someone else might have had it, but uh, you know they got they have to do a better job uh, getting out of the huddle too, which was the uh, other players, the other guys' point. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, no problem. All right, so where do you go from here? Anthony Lynn becomes the offensive coordinator. There's no book on him. He has not been a coordinator. He's only been a position coach here throughout his career, whether it's in Buffalo or with the Jets. He's been around the league. He's bounced around. He did have a interview with San Francisco last year to be their head coach. He did not get it. Rex Ryan says, get the ball in playmakers' hands. He talks like he wants to throw it more. I expect that. I expect this offense to be a little bit more wide open against Arizona. We'll see when they get uh, back to work. We'll be back to work on Monday here on Buffalo Bills Radio on a Buffalo Bills Football Monday. You'll hear from me. We'll hear from Rex Ryan. And then throughout the week, we'll bring you up to speed on what's going on and get into the Arizona Cardinals. In the meantime, I have two words before I leave you today. Two words. You know what those two words are? Lamar Jackson. Louisville. Have a great one. Baseball's up next. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.